since Bhagavan, the king of heaven, still aspired for a comfortable bodily situation, Lord Vishnu asked him to ask Dhyamsha for his body, which was very strong due to his knowledge, vows, and austerity. Before reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the very means of conquest, one should offer respectful obeisances unto the personality of God in Narayan, unto Narayan Rishi, the supermost human being, and unto Mother Saraswati, the goddess of learning, and unto Srila Vyasthe, the author. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Galadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So here the Supreme Lord is speaking to the demigods who have offered very eloquent prayers unto him. So as you might recall the past time, um, what's the name of the personality at the start of this chapter? Vishwarupa, yes. So Vishwarupa was the priest of the demigods. He had three heads on his shoulders. And he was related to the demigods from his father's side. And from his mother's side, he was related to the demons. So, as he was doing um, offering oblations into the yajna, to the pleasures of the demigods, he was also giving a portion to the demons out of affection because they were related to him. And Indra found that out eventually. Indra discovered that um, Vishwarup is um, Vishwarup is cheating them. So out of anger and um, frustration, and ultimately because he was threatened by the demigods, he felt that because he is giving these portions to the sorry demons, the demons will become powerful and they will eventually take over my position. And uh, out of feeling threatened, he cut off Vishwarupa's head. And then his father, Swashka, his, his, name, his father's name is Swashka, or? Yes. Yes? Yes. yes. So his father, um, he basically performed a sacrifice, and he prayed, and he chanted mantras, so Indra's enemy will be born and killed. And then from the south of that sacrificial, uh, from the Yajna, came Vritasura, one who covers all directions, Vrita. So Vritasura uh, manifested and he was a very powerful demon. And uh, he was so ferocious, the whole, the whole description is given. His beard, his hair and his moustache was the color of copper. He had a dark body and sometimes it resembled uh, dark clouds and you can imagine a copper, copper hair. <laughs> and so he was a very ferocious personality 
and uh, the demigods were very threatened by him. And then the demigods, they all gathered and they offered prayers unto the Supreme Lord. And they offered these beautiful, eloquent prayers, full of great meaning. Um, and then the Lord was placed and Lord Narayan, he appeared there with his associates. So all that the demigods did, um, and after all that beautiful prayers, they asked for uh, protection from the demon Vatasura. They asked for um, his annihilation so, so they could flourish. So that showed that the demigods, uh, because they're not pure devotees, they asked for a material benediction. And here the Lord is telling uh, the demigods how they can overcome that obstacle. And he's telling them you can approach the Deity, basically, and he advises them in the coming verses of the means or the strategy to approach the Deity um, through the Ashwini Kumaras. So out of affection for the Ashwini Kumaras, the Deity will give his body to them. And then they can use the Deity's body, they can use the bones from the Deity's body to make a thunderbolt weapon which will be used to kill Vratasura because the Deity has, has been blessed with the Narayan Kabacha. So that was the strategy. Um, but the point is the, the demigods are eager to maintain their status quo or in other words to have a comfortable body. They wanted to uh, maintain their material arrangements of enjoyment. So the demigods are not pure devotees. Ultimately everyone is a devotee of Krishna. Right? We all are devotees of Krishna. Uh, but because we have forgotten that fact, we have been covered by the illusory energy. And our knowledge has been covered or stolen. And from time immemorial, we are rotting in the material world. We are rotting in this realm. Trying to be the independent enjoyers, masters and controllers of everything or at least something. <laughs> Everyone is trying to influence or control in some way. Just like there's social media influences. Right? If you want to have a successful business, now your strategy should be to tie up with the influences who can help to promote your business. So they are an influencer is basically someone who can who's more expert in controlling. So there are everyone is trying to be the lord of 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 matter in their own way. Um, and that's why all types of uh, special leadership positions are very attractive because it facilitates you becoming the lord of, of something, of some people or, um, or of an organization which is basically comprised of people, right? So the, such roles are generally very uh, attractive to people because that enhances their ability to control. Just like we had the elections in Australia 
and everyone, not everyone, a lot of people want to be the Prime Minister. That post is very much desired or to be a, to have to be a minister in the cabinet and that gives great control so in that way we are trying to lord it over others um, in our own way or if we look at someone in a certain way just by our eyebrows we can control someone <laughs> just like um, a wife can control a husband just by the change of a tone or by looking a certain way. So that is control. Right? And we are all controlled in different ways. And we want to be the independent controllers and enjoyers. And we are trying to find satisfaction and happiness. Ishwaraham Aham Bhogi. Siddhavan Balavan Sukhi. I am the Lord of everything. I am the Ishwar. And I'll be happy by being the Ishwar. But that is not possible. That is that leads to simply leads to frustration um, and unhappiness. So the so the demigods are mixed devotees. So we all have this material disease that we have to purify. So the reason we are in this material world is to uh, is a world. This material realm is a realm of transformation. So Krishna has unwillingly put us in this material world uh, so we can exercise our mad desires. We have these crazy desires of being the Ishwara. And that is madness. So everyone in this world is mad. <laughs> not, not just the someone who has um, mental health issues. They will say they are mad or you know, who has schizophrenia or some severe mental illness. Uh, not only they are delusional, everyone is delusional to various degrees because we are trying to be the Lord and Masters of, of everything or something. So that, that, is our, that is our disease. Um, so we are infected by this disease. And this, this realm is uh, a place where we can exercise our crazy desires, but also at the same time be transformed. So I've given this example many times. In every, every state there is a corrections facility. There is a prison. So it says it's, it is a correction center to correct, your, to correct the uh, inmates' um, problems. Right? They might have committed murder or theft or who knows what, for what, what, whatever reason they are there or financial crimes. So the correction facility is to correct them, to reform them and then put them out, put them back in society where they can live a lawful existence. So in the same way this material realm is uh, a corrections facility. This is a very nice example. You know, this, this, is, this is a Shastric example the material world is a prison. So it is a very appropriate example because a, a prison is, is a place of transformation. And in the, in the prison you have different, um, you know, different gradations. There is, depending on what you've done, if, if, if you, um, you have really misbehaved in society, 
then you're put into under severe punishment. Maybe you're in a cell by yourself for long periods of time. Um, so I don't know what exactly goes on in the prison, but um, it's there's different gradations, right? And then you're given opportunity to render some service and to um, and to transform yourself. And then in the prison, there are also prison guards. There's the corrections staff, right? So there's, there's the guards. So those guards are like the demigods. They are they are in charge of the um, the demigods are in charge of the material realm, right? They have, they hold various administrative posts. So the prison guards are like are, are the demigods who are in charge of the prison. And a foolish prisoner, instead of approaching the judge, they approach the prison guards. <laughs> so the prisoner, if a prisoner has to come out, what's the best way of coming out of a prison? You reform yourself, right? And then, if you reform yourself, then you're taken in front of the judge. And the judge says, okay, the, the judge gets the evidence, yes, XYZ has reformed himself, they've been a good inmate, they have uh, followed the instructions, and they've demonstrated the ability to not offend again, and so I will release them. Because they, they control the system. So, uh, an intelligent person, will approach uh, the Supreme Lord, who is the master and the controller of everything, and who they are intimately related to. But a foolish person, uh, due to less intelligence, due to tiny intelligence, they approach the prison guards. And they say, hey, you know, can you get me some uh, contrabands inside? Hey, can you can you get me the, the magazine or can you get me a phone? So they ask for these small petty things when they could be uh, and they're approaching these people who can only give them these temporary small happiness and who themselves are bound by the laws of nature. They, who, are, who themselves are also bound by the by the laws of the prison system. So the, so the demigods are the administrative heads. Of, of the material realm. And uh, demigod worship is also suggested in the Shastra. Like yesterday, Prabhu was speaking about you know, demigod worship, and um, that was the verse, the verse yesterday spoke about that. So, um, so the Shastra also recommends demigod worship. And, and Krishna also. Speaks in the in talks about demigod worship in the Bhagavad Gita, right? He says, Kamaistaya Tam Tam Asthaya That those whose minds are distorted by material desires surrender into demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their own natures. So the demigod worship is actually recommended for the less intelligent or the foolish people. And it is a gradual means of purification. It is a very gradual means. And so why people approach demigods? Um, because they have strong desires which they want to be fulfilled. 
So in India, especially demigod worship is still to some degree it's popular. People will do all these yagyas, pujas, you can see all, you know. Uh, what are some popular yagyas? Satyanarayan puja. Satyanarayan puja. What do they ask for in that? Material benedictions. Benediction, right? Yeah. Material. Material benedictions. Good life, good life. Yes. <laughs> what are some other popular good yagyas? Good job. Good job. Yeah, PR. Good car, good house. Yes. So these are examples of uh, of pujas done for material benedictions. And these days we also see like a lot of kirtans are happening and uh, people are chanting demigod mantras in the West. Like a couple of weeks ago I went to, I was doing some market analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this kirtan to see what, what they're doing. And they were chanting these, these mantras which I've never heard of. <laughs> and most of them were just concoctions. Durga Ma, Kali Ma, Ganesh, um, actually it was quite an austerity to sit for two hours. <laughs> and uh, so they were chanting all these mantras and, uh, and basically in a subtle way they are asking for material happiness. And at one point they were chanting, Hey Bhagwan or O oh Bhagwan. So, so people are chanting, people take the names of demigods for, um, for material benedictions. That, you know, give me a comfortable life, make me happy. And uh, yes, that is nice, but there is something better than that. You can, you can get something much better than that. So why ask for these small things when you can get something better? So the uh, demigod uh, worship is recommended in the Shastra to give people an opportunity to gradually uplift their consciousness. For those who don't want to go the express way, there is a long way and that is also okay. But it's more intelligent if you approach Krishna um, for, if you approach Krishna directly. In the Bhagavatam, second canto, third chapter, text number 10, it says, a karma Sarva Kama Va, Moksha Kama, A Kama Sarva Kama Va, Moksha Kama Udhavadi, what's the third one? Tibrena Bhakti Yadena, Purusham, Yadena Purusham right? So whether you are full of material desires, which we all are, uh, or have no material desires, um, whether you are full of material desires, have no material desires, or um, what's the third one? Or desiring liberation, moksha kama, right? So you approach Krishna, because if you approach Krishna, um, that is the best way, and he will gradually he'll. He'll purify us. So in the previous verses, material desires have been compared to poison. So poison is, is highly undesirable. Right? You, you know, we avoid poison at all costs. So if someone takes poison, they are a madman, right? 
He will say, why are you taking poison? Are you crazy? So, asking demigods for material desires, and the equivalent of demigods today, is we approach people who have power and influence, and we ask them to fulfill our desires. So we worship our boss, or, or whoever can satisfy our desires. You, you, know, you might come across oh, some property seminar, if such and such guru can tell you how to achieve riches if you follow his strategy. So that's like a demigod for you. <laughs> uh, but it is more intelligent to approach Krishna directly. And, and, uh, and material desires are compared to poison. So why, why drink this poison? You have to be really foolish to drink poison. But because of our ignorance, uh, we think that these material desires will make us happy. That is our, that is our ignorance. We, we, we take um, what is poison to be nectar, and Krishna talks about that in the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He's, you know, he talks about happiness in the three modes, and he says um, those who are in the mode of passion, right? He talks about Rajagun. They take uh, what they, they they take what's nectar. To them, nectar tastes like poison. So so. Um, so material desires are actually um, are actually poison for us. But out of foolishness, we are we are desiring them out of madness. And Krishna is Krishna is like a physician. The again analogy is given of a physician. A go, if you go to a good doctor, um, he's going to tell you what the root cause of your problem is. They just, they just won't give you a patch. Here, take this. Write a prescription. There you go. Out of the door. And this will just um, cover your symptoms. They'll understand your root problem and they'll tell you what to refrain from, right? That's like in especially traditional medicine, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, um, naturopathy. They'll all tell you, okay, you need to refrain from such and such foods or such and such activities because they're not good for you. That what made you sick and if you engage in that, that will further, that will worsen your disease. You need to avoid that, at least for some time. So, um, similarly, Krishna, Krishna understands, because Krishna is, is God. He, he knows what is best for us. So, Krishna being the Supreme Lord, um, He won't give us what is bad for us. So, you know, so we approach the demigods and uh, or people, we say, okay, give me this, give me that. How can I fulfill your desire so I can get something in return? That's what material life is about. So the week we approach someone, it is, um, it is okay, you know, uh, let's have a win-win deal. I'll do something for you, then I'll get something in return. So we approach the demigods also with the same mentality. I'll do some yakyas, I'll do some pujas. I'll do Satyanarayan Puja, I'll do this or that. Uh, and then I expect such and such in return. So what is my return on investment? Um, but if we approach Krishna, 
Uh, we might even approach Krishna with the same mentality. I'm doing devotional service, I'm chanting 16 rounds, uh, I'm doing service, but what is the return on investment from a material perspective? But Krishna is, is not like the demigods. Krishna is, the, Krishna is um, supremely intelligent. He desires our ultimate welfare. So Krishna will give us what is good for us. And we might not be happy with that. So sometimes we are not happy what, uh, how Krishna treats us in bhakti. We have done so much, so much tapasya services, but I haven't got what I was desiring for in, in bhakti. Maybe that position or the fame or the name, the prestige. Um, so Krishna doesn't sometimes give us those things because they are not good for us, that is poison. Why would he give someone he loves poison? So, uh, an intelligent person approaches Krishna. And that's why not many people approach Krishna. <laughs> Krishna's worshippers are in minority. The demigod worshippers are in majority. Um, so, because, because Krishna doesn't always give us what we are after. He, he gives us what we what is good for us. Akama Sarukama Moksha Kama Udavani. Tibrana Bhakti Yogina. So an intelligent person will understand that Krishna is the Lord of everything. He Krishna, I am part and parcel of Krishna and therefore I need to approach him and and surrender and leave the rest to him. So even though they might have material desire, still better to go to Krishna directly. And Krishna is such an expert, he will um, gradually purify us. For some devotees, Krishna might take everything away. And that sometimes it happens. If, if you are really favored by God, if Krishna really likes you, he's, and uh, any decides to give you the ultimate favor, He'll make you a material failure. He can't do that. So why? Why? So that you take shelter of him. If he says you have the ability, uh, the shraddha enough to again come back to him, he might do that. And Krishna is supremely independent. He can do what he likes. So on a case-by-case -case basis, he, he deals with us. And, and that can be quite scary for us. Oh no, I approached Krishna and look what happened. It's like one disaster after the other happening. But a devotee will, um, will say, okay, there is nowhere else to turn to. My family has left me. I took shelter of Krishna now. No one likes me in my family. And quite often that happens with devotees. <laughs> <laughs> No one in your family can relate to you and they think you're a material failure, <laughs> total failure. Um, what are you doing all day? Chanting and we sent you to Australia, New Zealand or UK or USA to, to rise the corporate ladder, to make your family proud. And what are you doing? You've joined an ashram or you, you've lost your material drive. So, you know, we might be um, 
forsaken by her family. Or you might have, um, maybe you're running a business, it's not working out, they know, you know, I'm practicing Krishna consciousness, what, what happened? So these things sometimes happen. But, uh, yeah, so Krishna can take away, but a devotee who has strong faith, they will, they will go back to Krishna. And, and Prabhupada, he's, Prabhupada, he, you know, he, he quoted this verse from the 10th canto. Um, and, and he, because Prabhupada was also, Prabhupada was trying to, Prabhupada's intentions were all, were always pure, and he wanted to spread Krishna consciousness, and his way of doing it was, let me make money, and I'll use that money in spreading Krishna consciousness. was a pure motive. But, uh, we know Prabhupada's businesses didn't work out the way he was thinking. They, Prabhupada's businesses were not successful. But Krishna wanted him to be successful in another way. So he, he took away everything and, and Prabhupada, he, you know, he, as, he, as usual, he took shelter of the Lord uh, in all instances. And then, and the Lord indicated to Prabhupada, he wanted him to preach in a certain way. He wanted him to take sannyas, go to the west, and and he was a great inspiration to all of us, right, what Prabhupada did. So if, if uh, Krishna has a special favor upon someone, he, will, he can take away everything. But generally the Lord uh, satisfies our desires in such a way that we get what we want, but at the same time we lose attraction for it. The example of that is like Dhruva Maharaj. So Dhruva Maharaj, he was, he wanted to um, have a kingdom greater than his father, right? So, so he, he wanted a kingdom even greater than his father, grandfather, and uh, so that was a material desire. And he was only five years old, such a young boy, so determined, a Kshatriya boy, extremely determined. Even Narad Muni, he was surprised by his by his strong desires. But then he said, "Okay, yeah." He's a Kshatriya, so he can, Kshatriya, the Kshatriya body can desire that. But he was taken back by its intense desires. So he had a strong desire, but Krishna fulfilled it in such a way, Narayana came, he gave him the means, and he engaged in that means of purification. And in the end, he was, the Lord appeared and said, okay, take what you want. I'll give you a kingdom greater than your grandfather. Father, grandfather. But then Dhruva said, actually all this is like broken pieces of glass, totally insignificant. It's like some stones there, it's not gold. Even gold is insignificant for a devotee. Um, so he said this is all insignificant. And he was purified, but at the same time his material desire was satisfied. So if we approach Krishna, if we are intelligent, we should approach Krishna and Krishna will fulfill our desires in such a way that eventually we will lose the taste for them. And you might have experienced that also. You might have some, maybe you had some strong desire I, you know, or I want this position in the temple or whatever 
and then Krishna gives it to you and then you realize how much of a headache it is. <laughs> and you, you get so purified by it, by, by doing that. And, and, and that's great, you know, any service is, is fantastic. If you had like a material director, sometimes Krishna can fulfill it. I want to make a lot of money, okay. He might make the money, but probably in the process you get so frustrated, then you say, oh, it's actually not worth it. So this, this is the, the beauty of Krishna. He administers the medicine in, in such a way that we become, um, we might get what we want, we might not get it, but we, we eventually become purified and we think, oh, actually that wasn't really worth it. I, I want to engage more in Krishna's service. See if you have any questions or comments on today's speech. Well, um, you have been uh, saying uh, uh, if one uh, wants to be a sincere devotee of Lord, Lord takes away all his attachment and uh, makes him destitute. Uh, he loses everything. Uh, and that's where like, uh, insecurity pops up. And Sometimes, not always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that. And also, it's uh, like uh, comes on the way to becoming a good devotee of Lord. That oh, that has happened to me as well. So how to uh, how to deal with that? So the question if I, is, if if Krishna bestows his mercy and takes everything away, how to deal with it? Yeah. If Krishna makes you a material failure. Yeah, it makes me a material failure. So. Okay, how to deal with it? Um, because that's now Krishna makes me a failure, yeah. then he's going to take away everything, whatever I've got it after so much, so much, so much of effort. So then uh, I see it as a discouragement towards uh, on the path of Krishna or Bhakti. Yeah, I mean to take away everything, that only happens to few devotees. It doesn't happen to most because most can't handle it. <laughs> so Krishna knows that. Most, most can't actually handle that level of intensity. Krishna taking away everything because their faith is not that strong. Um, but so 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 your I guess your question is um, if we're not getting what we want from bhakti, how do we how do we deal with that? So that's discouraging, right? That's what you're saying. I think that's where it's coming to probably uh, suddenly, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, we have to take more shelter of Krishna. So if we are in such a situation, we are feeling discouraged, um, I didn't get what I wanted from my practice of Krishna consciousness, material things, then rather than leaving bhakti or taking a break, uh, we need to do the opposite. So we need to, um, we need to take shelter of the devotees and, and approach devotees and, and Tell them, you know, this is such and such happened with me. Such and such, and such situation um, I'm going through. I'm feeling discouraged in my Krishna consciousness. What should I do? So they will, the devotees will probably tell you, 
um, to to chant better, increase your you know chanting quality of chanting, um, read more shastra and 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 pray pray to Krishna. You know, so basically we need to um, intensify our sadhu sangha, and through that intensification of sadhu sangha, in their guidance and association, we'll be. Um, We'll be able to see that that is actually the Lord's benediction, that I haven't got what I wanted. Because that would have made my situation much worse. Maybe if you got what you wanted, you would have forgotten Krishna. You would have gone further away from Krishna. So we should see that as Krishna's blessings in the association of devotees and by reading of Shastra, we'll see that that was actually Krishna's favor upon me. He did that. We'll see that as a blessing. And even whatever Krishna happens to us, a devotee should see that as a means of purification. That's that's the mentality of a devotee. That whatever, if something good happens to me, um, if I've got some facility, money, uh, how can I engage it in God's service? And the best way to do it is to, is to spread the Sankirtan movement of Lord Chaitanya, right? And if something um, unfavorable has happened, maybe poor health or financial losses or relationship problems, um, health problems, so you can see, okay, this is uh, Krishna's sending me some distress so I can... Um, so I can take more shelter of him. Because a devotee under distress or happiness should approach Krishna in both in both instances. And even Queen Kunti, she prayed, right? Um, My dear Lord, please give me more distress so I can take more shelter of you. And even, even here the demigods, out of distress, they are approaching Krishna. So they're performing that was Akama Sarukama. Right, so out of demigods are basically in distress because of Vritasura and they are approaching, they're taking shelter of Krishna, though for material purposes, they're not very intelligent. They could have asked Krishna for pure bhakti. So, you know, that's the most. So, if you're in distress, okay, you can, how to deal with it, um, being the association of devotees, and then hopefully use that distress as a means to. Um, not ask the Lord to get rid of it, but act, which is what the demigods are doing right now. But to approach the Lord and approach Krishna and say, how can I get closer to you? How can I use this to become a pure devotee? So the, the, uh, the, I guess the, our immediate knee-jerk reaction will be to approach God, Krishna and say, can you get rid of it for me? That would be a knee-jerk reaction, right? Can, can you please remove this distress? Why? Why remove it? So I can be happy. <laughs> so I can I can continue with my material. Um, so I can um, basically have my material desire. I can have my cake and eat it. But actually, if we we need to approach Krishna and ask the Lord to um, remove 
our material contamination, to get rid of this poison and, and make us into a pure devotee and give us an opportunity to render more service. And the best service is to assist in the um, glorification or the spreading of the Sankirtan movement in whatever way you can do it. That's why he was so powerful. And, and the Lord recommended the demigods to ask the, the Dichi for his body, which they would use to make the thunderbolt weapon from his bones. How did he get the torch? I can't remember. Maybe if you know, you can tell us. Does anyone know how he got the Narayan Kavacha? No? Okay. So, we'll have to wait for, we'll have to ask this question to maybe the next speaker. <laughs> yeah, yes, that, uh, sorry, Prabhuji. He, when Indra was cursed, um, he, he goes and takes shelter of Brahma um, for the first time and second time. Um, when he goes to Brahma again because of his offense, Brahma sends him to a Rishi. I don't know his name. And then he performs a yajna and then he gives him the whole of uh, this mantra protection. And uh, uh, with that, he will be able to mm -hmm. fight. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. That's the uh, place I heard a couple of cases. Actually, my question was very similar. I wanted to ask. <coughs> What is the trick that the Nietzsche, even though he was so accomplished in Bhagavad and aesthetically, his body was very strong. Like I wanted mm -hmm. to ask, how is it like that? Because earlier we had the case of Tivahuti, she was in aesthetically, but her body got very big. It's awesome, I have experience also, and we as devotees, we have a lot of aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Generally, we get weaker. So I think I wanted to ask, what is that trick that made the um, Nietzsche so strong, even though he was so austere? Mm. Yeah, so the Nietzsche had a lot of. Um, Strength, right? So yeah, if you do austerities, um, you get spiritual strength. I think the strength effort is, is spiritual strength. Um, so then we you know, say it here, right? Because he was very accomplished in knowledge, vows, and austerities. So, but by doing this, um, I guess you can get material and spiritual strength, depending on the type of austerities, vows, and knowledge of undertaking. So like um, Hiranyakashipu, he engaged in austerities. He engaged 
in, in greater cities, standing on one leg and what not he did. So, yeah, his body was emaciated. He got weaker, but eventually got stronger. Right? So with those austerities, he got the benedictions by which he became extremely powerful. And, and so we can see that the result of austerity is you, you, you get some potency. Maybe your body might become weaker, but you might get some other potency. Um, in the, in the Digi's case, it seems he got, he got everything. <laughs> His body also became very strong. Um, and certainly he had spiritual potency because he had the Narayan Kavacha. Kira brings up another question. Mm. So let's justify. Sometimes uh, devotees, we say, um, or I hear what I said also, <laughs> uh, that you know, we, have, we go through austerities and our body is getting weaker. Mm. But then we could think, hearing those examples, that maybe we just have to bite through, you know, we just keep going. And then eventually we crack it, like, you know, like uh, maybe we crack is the wrong word. I mean, eventually we, uh, we bite through this hard time of austerity, and then eventually we come to a point where we're actually getting stronger. That, that, that we could think like that. Or other, or some devotees would think that, no, you do all these austerities, your body is very weak, and eventually you will break. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so which, which, what is our philosophy? Like, because you could justify, you no, know, like, look at Hirani Kashiku, he was doing austerities, and his body was going weak and weaker, but then actually got the benefits. Or you can see maybe in the example of others as well. So, so how do we understand it? Like we go for strategies, maybe we can see we're getting weaker, so we just keep going, and eventually we get the good result. Or we keep going and we break. Well, our point is we do austerities to please Krishna. Right? That's the main point. Um, so our, our goal in life is to please the Lord. When the Lord is satisfied, our life is successful. And how is the Lord pleased? By uh, pleasing the spiritual master, by carrying out his instructions. And in carrying out his instructions, that entails a degree of austerity. Right? So that's, that's the one point. It's to, it's, to, it's to please the spiritual master. And our austerities are you know, rising up early in the morning, Chanting the rounds, chanting Hare Krishna, um, reading the scripture, and doing some service, and all, and, and while maintaining your body. So all this takes um, a degree of austerity. And of course, in order to do this, you have to keep your body, mind. You have to keep your body and mind healthy, right? So it's. The goal of Krishna consciousness is not to do tapasya as such. That's not the goal, right? So there's in Chitanya Charitamrita there's the what's that Brahmachari who said who's trying to draw Lord Chitanya, I just um, you know, I just drink milk. What was the name? Is no? So this Brahmachari he said um, try to impress the Lord by I'm doing so much tapasya by just drinking milk. The goal of Krishna Vana is not to drink milk. <laughs> How much milk you can drink? No, the, the goal of Krishna consciousness is to is to please Krishna and what pleases your spiritual master. And then we do whatever austerities is is required. For example, you know, in 
spiritual master instruction might be okay. Um, you preach, you know, start a center or something. So the austerity is in running that center. And there's so much needs to be done. So that is our austerity. And, and in doing that, we do it in such a way that we don't, or at least not try to get burnt out. So the austerity also has to be balanced, uh, that it doesn't, um, it doesn't stop our service in the long run. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, yeah, okay, you can do austerities. Um, if you have been given a service, generally the services you are given are long-term, right? The spiritual master say. Mm-hmm. Like if you preach the Shamanas, that's a very long-term thing. Mm-hmm. And the scope is very broad and, uh, and it's pretty much till the end of your body. So you have to do that your whole life. Um, that, that you have to intelligently think how to do it. And also at the same time, persevere to do it long enough. Right? So we do austerities to... So there is a degree... Austerity means a degree of sacrifice, right? You're, you're sacrificing maybe your comfort, um, and so many other things that you could be doing. And you're doing that to please your guru. But it shouldn't be to such a degree that the austerity should come in the way of your service. Right? So the austerity... And, and if that happens, then austerity has become the focus. Not, not, service, to, not service to the Lord through the guru. So austerity has to be what pleases your spiritual master to that degree. Anything more than that is, is just coming in the way, and that's not our goal. Our goal is not to take cold showers. Um, okay, cold shower is good. If that helps you to chant attentive japa, sure. But it's not about uh, just doing austerities for the sake of doing it. Um, I'm, I'm taking cold showers because that makes me more austere. <laughs> Or I'll just sleep on the bed, on the cold floor. I'll sleep on the floor. Okay, sure. Um, but if that makes your body stiff, what's the point? Or if you wake up with a sore body, what's the point of that scary? You better sleep on a comfortable bed, on a warm bed, if that helps you to do your service better. Or, or even sometimes, other than all. Mangala, I'll rise every day at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. And then you do that and then you're, and you're doing so many other things and then you're just tired all the time. So it has to be balanced. Austerities have to be balanced so, so that your main service that is given to you doesn't get disrupted. So it takes some, I guess, some intelligence and maturity to, to see how much... Um, it's like a balance, basically it's a balance in that, that's what I'm saying. Our main austerity is to please the spiritual master, and to that, you do, what, you do what's necessary to do that. And, it, and you have to balance, in such a way that your health and is not destroyed in the process. And you may have some degree of sanity. Prabhu? Yes, Father. One second. Hard-heartedness, so many yeah. like, like doing outreach and like, giving a lot to people. And like, different people, different people, 
so hard on people become hard-hearted and always try again because it's easy to just feel like, okay, I'm going to draw the line here because people are not reciprocating with us. And, and of course we know that people have their position and they're not reciprocating for this. But because we are so like we expect reciprocation and we don't get it and we're like, okay, we're just kind of like with them. I'm going to just deal with them. I'm going to just mind if I get Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how do we become hard-hearted? Yeah, yeah. What's the question? What's the question? Yeah. Madhavi is asking if we are doing outreach or preaching that entails a lot of sacrifices, giving a lot of time, giving a lot of energy, and and quite often there is very little reciprocation. In fact, can be the opposite. You can blame them, criticize, right? Can I even the exact opposite can happen? Much worse than that. So how how to deal with that? Yeah, how not to become hard-hearted? Yeah, basically we have to become detached. And and how to become detached is yeah, it's a really good question you ask, and it's not easy to do. I I struggle with that myself. So we're doing preaching and see so few people are coming, you put so much effort and few come and the few that come don't come back or, or if they come back they don't reciprocate, if they take up for some time and then they go away. <laughs> so this looks like a, a losing battle and, uh, and we can think what's the point of all this, right? Um, I did so much and what did I get in return? Nothing. I just got all this headache. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, I haven't progressed materially. <laughs> I, could, I could have done so many things. I could have made money. Um, I could have done these courses or whatever, you know. Could have been made more progress. Look at other people who are doing that. They've made so much progress. And here I'm stuck in this preaching center. <laughs> you know, so we can, we can think like that. Um, but actually, it's, uh, we, we, I guess the way we can say this, it's a great blessing to do such a service. Um, you're doing what Krishna comes down to the material world for. That's what you're doing. So, you know, Krishna says, um, what is saying Bhagavad Gita? Or, or what was the purpose of the Lord? You know, the purpose of the material world is to purify the Jiva, right? And Krishna comes himself, he personally comes. And then he sends various incarnations. And he sends his spirit devotees. So you're doing what he's, he's basically, you're doing what he's doing. He has come to do. So you're, we, are, we are assisting the Lord in, in spreading Krishna consciousness. And, and if you do that, uh, that person is most dear to the Lord. Krishna says that. So I know that can be, an, uh, I guess, an inspiration for us, something to look up to. So when, if you are feeling very down or you're feeling hard-hearted after doing all this tapasya, I'm getting criticized. Even worse is you get criticized, right? And these days, as um, criticism is very easy, you just put a video. <laughs> you might be on YouTube, or somebody might write an article on you, right? Or make a series of videos about <laughs> you, and it's out there on the internet and. For everyone to watch and listen for years to come, you can't you can't remove it now. It's not your channel. So 
Then what do you do? So it's, I guess the way to, for me it was, it's personally I see that way, okay. We're trying to assist the Lord in, in the mission the Lord came for, and we're so blessed to have that opportunity to assist the Parampara and the spiritual master in doing that service. And, and that's how you know, we push forward. And um, despite all the setbacks, continue. And, um, and also then take shelter of the Holy Name. And, and being the association of more enthusiastic devotees than us, then obviously all combination of all of that is, it helps us to continue doing this extremely challenging service. It is very challenging. But it is also very rewarding, right? So you, you get the most, you get the highest reward. You get recognized by the Parampara, by the spiritual master, Parampara, and ultimately by Krishna himself. So life is perfect. You can you can have all the other things. You can you can you could be trying to be materially successful, but at the end of the day, you, you know, it's you might get that, but it's not very satisfying. And that's evident. We see that in society, people are very successful, but they're not satisfied, and, and they have so many other issues. You might have come across people. Um, so we can, yeah, we can do all that, or it might be okay. Better to be a, a mixed devotee, have my faith in both. Well, you know, be a devotee, but also try to be successful, but. That's okay, that's fine, but there's something much better than that. And so, yeah, what you're doing is the best, and, and you, 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 you get the highest um, reward. Yeah. I think not to have any expectations of it. Just do your service as much as you can. Yes, yeah, that is yeah, true. But that's very hard, right? Mm. A condition so means having desires. And we usually do something to get something out of it. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's the pure pure devotee platform. Not to have any expectations in return for doing service. Yes. Then we have expectation of uh, uh, spiritual spiritual expectation that whoever come in touch with us uh, should be able to advance in Krishna consciousness. And yes. you said that uh, this is a challenge because a lot of them they come, then they don't come, then they come, then they come, then they come, and then uh, you are struggling and uh, so you are not able to get that spiritual results as much as you would like to. Or so that is also, that desire is there. Yes. So yes. how to deal with that? Yeah, so you are not, you know, your project is not flourishing in the time frames you have envisaged. <laughs> <laughs> By this, I was, you know, these many people will be coming and we have all these programs going on and yeah. not, nothing is going to plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you just have to, uh, how, how to deal with that. And there's a pressure from senior devotees why your program is not flourishing, right? Yeah, you might, you might have peer pressure, oh, you know, look at that center, that is doing so well, we are struggling, yeah. look at us. Um, yeah, so how to deal with it? Hey, Krishna is in charge, you know, Krishna is in control. Uh, I, I can only do so much. I can only try my best. The rest is up to Krishna. And whether it's a success or failure, it's ultimately it's in Krishna's hands. But at least they tried. Mm. So, at least you'll be better off failing trying for Krishna. Sorry? 
you're better off failing trying for Krishna than not trying at all. Means there is always desire now, instead of material desire, now I have a spiritual desire. So, is this is wrong that having a spiritual desire now, which I can offer it to Krishna? No, it's good to have spiritual desires. We, we, we desire, so you have to change from material to spiritual desires. And but even your spiritual desires might not be fulfilled. Yeah. And ultimately it's up to Krishna. Yeah. And, and you have to accept what Krishna does. But you have to try your best. Yeah. Not say, okay, I'll just get to the end. And if it is so it's not matching to my expectation, then I should not blame Krishna. Oh, Krishna, I'm doing so much for you, and you're not doing... So that should not also be so, Correct. And that's a hard lesson. Come with the bhakti. Not easy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Takes time. Bhakti is a gradual process. It's not a one-year process or one-day process or a six-month. It's a lifetime process. And the, the, the transformation is, for most of us, is gradual. We take baby steps and make some progress. So even if you fail, it's fine. That's everything. You're, you're continuing overall. Look at the big scheme of things. You're progressing. So don't beat yourself so hard. I, I failed or didn't get. This is continuing on, March. Thank you, good question. I hope that answered. Yeah, so basically, I guess the answer is basically see it as um, it's a great opportunity to assist the Lord at Parampara and that service. Um, um, so yeah, see it as a benediction and, and take, be surrounded by more enthusiastic devotees and be detached. Like maybe in the end of our previous karma, we would have done the same way and used the other person to person. In fact, more than the limits and what that person could do. Yeah. And that's why I think we have to do it in this one. Yeah, so yeah, a, a, a devotee sees their suffering as as their karma. Right. But a devotee sees all their suffering as personally orchestrated by the Lord. And, and the Lord usually uses your karma to, to purify you to a degree. Krishna is in it, so. Yeah, you can see that in that way. It's not karma, I'm suffering because I'm karma. It's true. But the main point is, I'll take shelter of Krishna. Yes, I'm going through this, but. I'll approach the Lord um, so I can become his devotee. That's the main point. So that karma, yeah, okay, it's my karma, but then what do you do with it, right? Now, next step is to take, approach Krishna. Yes, sorry. Prabhu, thanks for that one. Just one quick question. You know, like on one of my mates when I talked to him about uh, Devadas or demigod or you know Varunabhavan. No, he doesn't uh, he doesn't believe in that philosophy or you know he doesn't like the non material he doesn't believe. so how do we handle the situation? Like when you even is Hindu, you know So he doesn't accept anything? Like demigods and things like that, like you know, Varunabhar different like austerity doesn't so your question is, your friend doesn't accept any philosophy? Uh, the uh, austerity, specifically. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. 
He doesn't. He doesn't believe in worshipping the demigods. Or yes. So what do you do? Yeah. Give prashad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so if... Well, look, everyone's an individual. Everyone, a jiva has free will. And uh, in, in, this, in this world, there are people of different consciousness. Some are devotees, some are pure devotees, many are mixed devotees, <coughs> even many more are non-devotees. So there will always be people. That's the material world, right? We are here to forget Krishna. So don't be surprised if someone doesn't accept Vedic philosophy or parts of it. So that's, that's quite natural. Um, what do you do if, if, it's, if it's hard to convince someone philosophically? There's not much you can do. There's all, all you can do is um, then engage them in some way or the other in, in Krishna consciousness. So the, the point again is a karma vasana karma, right? Come in touch with the Lord. So by coming in touch with Krishna, because Krishna is the purifying agent, we gradually get purified. So, can give them prashadam. So by, by giving prashadam, maybe something they like about Krishna. They might like ketam. If they like ketam, then give them some ketam to hear. And by doing that, they gradually get purified and maybe one day they will want to understand more. That's all you can do. You can't, you can't force someone. You can't forcibly change someone or bring someone to a program. So, where they are, you, that's how you deal with it. Give them a shot. <laughs> Thank you very much. Grandraj Bhagavatam Ki Jai.